Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secrets of Marketers podcast, the only podcast you can rely on to give you real, raw, unfiltered marketing advice covering the latest tips, tricks, and tools that millionaire marketers use to make money online. I am your host, Jeremy Blossom. Sit back, relax, and let's start discovering the true secrets of marketers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. I have the honor and privilege to have my very first guest in my home, Mr. Rich Sheffron. Yes. I didn't know that I was the first one in your home. My first podcast in my home. Yeah, that's right. Usually I do these in my office or the person comes in uh, remote, but you're my first one. Very cool. Welcome to the show. Uh, well, I, now I feel even more honored. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Rich, I would love for everyone to get to know who you are. Can you open us up by, um, you know, who you are, what you've been doing? That's such a wide open question. I know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I like starting off with just, you know, wide open slates. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'm an entrepreneur and a marketer and a dad. Uh, and, uh, yeah, geez. Uh you're one of those guys where your reputation precedes you. Okay. And so usually you've got this huge intro on all of these accomplishments yeah, and all have... these amazing things. I'm giving this to you cold. I'm I don't saying, have a 30 hey, second elevator pitch on, on your background. Well, I'll, I'll enlighten everybody because I kind of want to dive into some things I do know about you. And I'm sure most of the listeners here know a lot about you as well because you've been around for a while. But um, you really are like the inventor of the Evergreen webinar. Sure. You've helped uh, drive over $15 billion in sales through your marketing and yeah. uh, sales techniques that you've taught people. Um, you are the founder and owner of Strategic, Strategic Profits, um, and you are one of the thought leaders in all things direct response and digital marketing. Okay, I'll, t- I'll take those things. Sure. <laughs> right? And that, a nice guy, too. Yeah, and a really nice guy <laughs> and wicked smart. Um, maybe we could tell people how I met you. Um, the very first time I met you in person was at the Todd Brown event right. a few years ago, and you gave one of the most uh, amazing speeches I've ever heard on AI oh, yeah. and okay. technology mm-hmm. and how you um, just see technology um, really growing and, and where the future of technology goes. And I was just mind blown um, by, the, by what you were presenting, but more about your storytelling and how amazing you were able to just draw people in. I mean, the entire, there's probably five, 600 people there. We all left just completely like, oh, that was incredible. How do you, how did you get so good at storytelling? Well, it's funny because I don't really think of myself as good as storytelling, but I'm a like insane researcher. Mm. And so generally, whenever I'm doing research, um, I'm not only collecting evidence and kind of starting to set up an argument, but I'm also convincing myself, right? Yeah. And so, and so often, what I'm doing, whether it's a marketing campaign or a presentation or really anything, I guess, when I'm trying to convince someone of something, is I think about how I became convinced and try to hit those points. Uh, in, you know, in the transfer, you know, whether it's written, spoken, what have you. And so I think, and, and in fact, when I'm talking to beginner marketers, a lot of times, that's the first way I like to kind of explain marketing, that if mm-hmm. you're, if you're selling something because you believe it's the best thing, not 
you believe it's the best thing because you're selling it, but you actually yeah. <laughs> believe in it, then something led you to that conclusion that your prospects have not had that experience because they haven't come to that conclusion. So what has led you to that conclusion and how can we figure out a way to get that into other people's heads? Um, so, you know, as I'm doing research on something, I pay careful attention to statements, uh, research statistics that make me go, Oh geez. Or, Oh my God. Or that are convincing to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then make sure that those are the salient points to put back out, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You, you've got a, uh, a reputation of when you, when you focus on something, you have this uncanny ability to just, just lock in on it and yeah. go really, really deep. And that's probably one of your superpowers and how you're able to, to craft these messages. Yeah. And it's actually funny because, uh, it's my, like the reports I've written, right. Are very much a function of that and on two very different levels. So, and what I mean by that is yes, what you like, I tend to hyper focus mm -hmm. and, uh, but, uh, I had this business, uh, I had this business deal that went very South in New York. Like this is around the year 2000. And, uh, so, and I got really screwed over and so much so it, my personality changed. Um, mm. I tend to be a more laid back person. Not very many things really bother me. Um, and that's how I've been my whole life. But after this period, I became much more of an asshole. Uh, can I curse? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. So I became much more <laughs> of an asshole and I like with a temper and I just would like lose my shit all the time. And so like I apparently... I had a lot of rage about getting screwed over. And so I went to a psychologist for like six months to kind of get my personality back to how I was because I didn't like the new me and neither did anyone else around me. And uh, so at the end of that, the psychologist said to me, um, you know, I think you might have ADD. You might want to check that out. And I was like, it just went in one ear and went out the other ear because I was like, I tend to hyper focus. There's how the, yeah, I, right. I focus better than anyone I know. Um and two years later, I'm in a bookstore and there's uh, Driven to Distraction uh, on the bookshelf. And that was like one of the, you know, best selling ADD books, one of the first ones. And, and I started skimming it and it felt like it applied to me. So I bought it and I went home and I, I read the whole thing and then I gave it to my wife and asked her to read the whole thing. And I was like, this is me. They're describing mm. me. And it was really interesting because uh, I I found out I do have ADD, hmm. but my my ADD and, and that hyper focusing is actually a function of ADD. Uh, it's really controlling attention. That's more you know the thing. Sure. But um, but then also um, that book had a pro like had a profound effect on me. Not necessarily what I learned in the book per se, but but the experience I had reading the book. And the experience I had reading the book uh, from someone who has ADD, right, is that it was explaining a lot of the challenges that someone with ADD would have, right? And I found myself with a lot of those challenges. And so, and challenges that I had tried to fix that I, and failed at mm. like fixing about myself. And so, you know, as I'm reading this book and I'm finding out that more and more of the things that I tried to change that couldn't, that I didn't like, that I knew were standing in my way, um, were all a function of ADD, it led me to a place mentally where I was like, holy, like, 
all I have to do is fix ADD and I'll get rid of all these problems. And no wonder I haven't been able to get rid of these problems. They're functioning ADD and I never, you know, was diagnosed. And so now once we treat the ADD, like my procrastination, my perfectionism, my flakiness, like all these things are going to disappear. Didn't work out like that. Mm. But what that was such a profound experience for me that I use that as a model, um, as one of like the approaches I use when I write reports where I take, you know, same thing, right? ADD is really a, uh, you take a set of behaviors and you put a label around it. Yeah. So, uh, I did the same in a bunch of my reports, right? Like I took the problems in the marketplace in the internet business manifesto and I put the label around it of opportunity seeking. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and when I did that, like to sell the theory of constraints course in the entrepreneurial emergency, I took a label of problems, or I mean, a package of problems that people experienced in the marketplace. And I showed people like what deeper constraint core problem was actually the cause of all those problems. And the impact that it has on people is similar to the impact it had on me when I was reading the ADD book. Like this person, this is like the first thing I'm reading that where someone really gets me, understands me. Right. Mm -hmm. And because uh, they're now explaining away how I have not been able to achieve success and how like now it's just one step closer um, was profound for me as a like experience and has been extremely profitable for me as a model. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. You've been able to produce some uh, unbelievable reports. The Internet Business Manifesto would be one of those. Yeah. The, those would be the like, you know, those are the ones that put me on the map. Right. And the manifesto was so unexpected. Uh, you know, I was really trying to get like a dozen clients from it. Yeah. What, what were some of the big stats that came out of that? Oh, well, it's been at this point. Excuse me. Um, we I know that in 2000 and eight or nine we'd hit like a million downloads yeah. and i know in like 2012 no big deal we had hit two million downloads and i don't think we count anymore so um, that, that's what i mean this is not some minor report this is a this would be this would if this was a book it'd be a new york times bestselling yeah book. I, mean, I guess so and it was like you know i wrote 30 pages and i uh really never thought English would be my thing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, no, this is, if you guys, if you guys can find a copy online, go buy it. Uh, it's, it will change your life. I and mean, it's still prevalent today. That That's one of your hallmark things is that you've, you come up with this through this research, right. right. Through, um, you know, I, I want to pause and, uh, and say, isn't it, it's just, I love hearing your story because something that would be oftentimes categorized as a weakness, right. right. Having ADD. Um, and then yet you hear people talk about uh, your, your reputation is man, this guy can focus focus he can buckle down and what he comes out with when you you know and you when right. you go and sit down and write these reports it, it, it you know it sells a million copies right, right. I and mean, you just it just blows up so i just love hearing that you can that that's almost like a you know like a superpower you know that you're able to to do so yeah well i think the first step on that for a lot of people it just is to embrace whatever the issue is right like mm. uh, you know like yeah. own it um i think most people don't and and it plays out in a lot of areas of their life. I, you know, and I'm just reminded of this because I was thinking, been having a lot of conversations recently about entrepreneurship and, and things like that. And uh, I gave this presentation once in my office to a bunch of clients uh, because something had just occurred. I mean, I had a bunch of clients in my office, but but someone asked me a question and it reminded me of something. And then it's something that I th I feel is so important. I don't talk about it as 
often as I'd like to, because I think it's really liberating for the people that hear it. Uh, and it's, yeah, and it's something I've, it's been front of my mind this week, just because I've been talking to a lot of people. And that is, is that, uh, most people design a business based on who they want to be, not who they currently are. Mm. And so that causes a lot of problems in businesses. Um, so, you know, the fact that I was a, I still am a perfectionist and a procrastinator. The fact that I am those things, designing a business so that I could be successful as that, not designing a business of me being somewhat different than who I am today. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs don't give themselves enough freedom for that. And I think it's just the next step after that is to then take whatever, you know, whatever unique characteristics you have and really think through, like, how is that your strength? Right. Um, As opposed to kind of trying to push it aside or be embarrassed by it or I don't know. You know, the second time I met you, uh, we were walking around the streets of Baltimore together and we had a great time. And um, I had to buy a pair of boots. (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You had to buy a whole new outfit to go to where we were going to dinner, uh, which was really funny. But you were a good sport about it. Yeah. They don't allow sneakers and I always wear the same sneakers and they and I needed a collared shirt. A collared shirt. shirt. Yeah. That's right. Uh, So you were you were that was really funny. Good memory. Um, And uh, but you you touched on that actually when we were when we were out to dinner that night. And um, I actually have shaped a big part of the end of the night 2019 and 2020 based off of what you said, because I actually I mean, it, it stuck with me. I sat down and I and I wrote out uh, what are my what are my current weaknesses, you know, uh, and what are my current strengths, and why don't I just accept those and own those and build a business around that? Yeah. And so I appreciate that because oh, my that's pleasure. something I've actually been able to take yeah. for my own business. I don't know why more entrepreneurs don't feel it's fe- they feel like there's a set of rules that they have to uh, be a part of or have to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, you, that's a good, po- that's a good point. A lot of marketers put these fictitious uh, constraints on them. They're, they're, there's like this rule system that they're following that no one, <laughs> no one imposes on them, but themselves. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. It's just that like, it's like waking up at four 30 in the morning. Okay. If that's your thing, wake up at four 30 in the yeah. morning. I'd like to see someone who woke up at like 1130 at night. Like yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah just right? Someone who was doing things totally different. Right. Like, and uh, just whatever your thing is, you know, the, from a standpoint of um, branding and bonding and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. like for marketing a personality, it's those things that make the personality distinct. That's right. Right. And so the last thing you want to do is mute those. If anything, you want to exaggerate those, mm. uh, which is not traditionally what people do. Mm. Yeah, it's the genius behind people, right? You know, yeah. is their differences, it's their quirks yeah. um, and really just being unapologetic about them and just owning them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, and I know a lot of people would love to hear this, you know, how did you get into, into, to marketing in the first place? You know, you're, you're this legend now. I'd love to hear how, what was the origin? What was your first marketing gig? And, you know, and what was it like? Did you love it? Did you hate it immediately? Yeah. It's, um, well, I always enjoyed marketing. I even in, you know, high school and college, you know, more entrepreneurial, I guess, than marketing specific. But, mm-hmm. um, but I did enjoy reading about marketing. And, but when I was in college, I studied accounting, uh, just because marketing, at least at that time, like marketing was a thing that very big corporations did. And that was about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but my, my first business, uh, the marketing was very different than the type of marketing that we do today, uh, or at least the type of marketing I do today. 
uh, it was much more image style uh, advertising, no call to action. And like branding, branding type and a lot of public relations behind that, too, to kind of reinforce the brand. And that worked and that, that, you know, and that was in the clothing business and in the music business. uh, That's the kind of advertising you do, you know. Um, And then when I got into uh, hypnosis, when I like, you know, I opened up a hypnosis center that grew into a chain, the. It was a real eye-opening experience to me because I thought I understood marketing as someone who understands business, understands marketing, not, you know, very deeply, but uh, definitely was successful in music and clothing. So I was figured I knew what I was doing. And uh, but to make the phone ring, it was a totally different experience. The more I liked an ad, the worse it did. The <laughs> slicker it looked, the worse it did. The uglier it was, the better it did, the more embarrassed I was that it was my ad, the better it did. Um, And so I really kind of recognized that I didn't know very much about this. And I was very fortunate in the sense that um, the Daily News, where we did most of our advertising in New York, uh, you could do A-B splits. Mm. So we were split testing every ad and we were running ads, you know, four or five days a week. And so I've learned a tremendous amount in those split tests. And then a friend of mine hired Dan Kennedy and paid him f- to what, what I perceived to be a ridiculous amount at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was like, you Which know, probably was knowing Dan Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot, but yeah, like now it seems on. much more reasonable because I know this business. Right. And I know mm-hmm. the elements involved, but back then it was like $25,000 for a letter or something like that. Yeah, like what? Yeah, like, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he was like, no, you don't understand this guy. He's like, you know, he's a genius. And I'm like, oh, wow. Well, okay. And he said, you know, go buy his uh, mother of all Dan Kennedy offers on eBay for, I don't remember how much it was. It was like this big 40 pound box. And, uh, the first uh, tons of VHS tapes and cassette tapes and which is how you listen to stuff back then. And, um, I put the VHS tape in and like in the first half hour, he covered, what took me like a year and a half or two years to learn to learn. Yeah. yeah that I thought I may be the only person on the planet that knew all these things. Yeah, and right. Apparently anyone who <laughs> bought the mother of all King Kennedy deals uh, <laughs> also knew it, uh, as well as anyone in the audience and yeah. God knows how many other people. But, um, but so that got me fascinated. And then I started really learning. Then, uh, I, then I hired, uh, Jay Abraham for some stuff on the hypnosis. Centers. Another heavy hitter. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and and so I started before that I had read a lot of Jay's stuff and I but I was I wouldn't say that I had gone through all of his material at by then as I have, you know, as I had by, you know, 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, and what was interesting to me about Jay was that when I met him in person and we did some work together, I noticed that actually he had like 20 different strategies that he applied everywhere. Mm. And that like, I thought of like a joint venture or affiliate type relationship, which back then he used to call host parasite. I thought of that as a promotional strategy. Right. And whereas he saw it as a potential solution to any business problem and all of his concepts were just more plug and play you know he had 20 of them and whenever there was a business problem he was pulling from one of them and that made me fascinated to see like oh, okay so this is much more creative than i originally thought and 
So that like the learning these things kind of made it, I guess, more interesting to me. And then I would say that the other thing that is probably um, makes it so much fun is, is the immediate feedback, right? Mm, so yeah. whether it was working on the ads, uh, you know, even in the hypnosis centers, you know, seeing if we could beat the control was exciting. And same, I guess, with, uh, with online marketing, it's that, you know, can you, can you create something that gets people to move? Right. And if so, can you get them moving in the right direction, you know, you know, in alignment with what your, your goals are, but also in their best interest, et cetera. Right. And, and, uh, yeah. And I've, for whatever reason, maybe because I'm such an info fiend, um, I gravitated towards selling through an education kind of basic format. Yeah, yeah. Which is the way I like to be sold and really the only way that I can sell. Yeah. 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 A lot of people don't know that you came from, that you even had a hypnosis business. Yeah. Um, do you think that that helped you in marketing at all? Oh, I'm sure it did. You know, I studied, studied a lot of NLP and hypnosis and I'm sure a lot of those lessons are just so deeply ingrained in me. I don't really think about like them or using a thing, but it's how I think. And probably the most like significant thing is just recognizing, but, but so much of my reading after this just confirmed it. It's that I had this, uh, hypnosis teacher, uh, you know, cause I took lots of different courses and one of them told me, okay, when the, and this was for more like hypnotherapy as opposed to hypnosis for like a specific little thing. And he would say, uh, okay, when the client sits down in front of you, just nod your head, say yes. Uh, but don't listen to whatever they tell you the problem is. Cause if they knew the real problem, uh, they wouldn't be sitting in front of you. So, you know, that thought kind of that most people are not aware of what the real problem is. Um, I guess has followed along with me into the reports I write and everything yeah. else. Like, cause if you really understood your problem, odds are you wouldn't have it. Um, and so I'd say that you, you, and, that is, that is such a, uh, for everyone listening right now, you know, go back and listen to what he just said again, because I think this is such a, you can make a multi-million dollar business. Anybody can by following this thread right here, by getting into what the real problem is and understanding how to identify that. Right. And you, and you know, like, from evolutionary psychology, they talk about, uh, I read this great book once, uh, it's, uh, why everyone else is a hypocrite. That's the name <laughs> of the book. Um, and it's all about how there is no biological advantages, actually a bunch of disadvantages for consciousness to really know what's going on in the brain that we think of consciousness as like the oval office where all the decisions are being made, but really the consciousness is like the press office mm. and it's just doing spin for everything that the brain is doing in its individual departments of, you know, how we've been constructed. And, uh, yeah, I think, I guess my point in all that is that, um, knowing that gives me, I guess, just, I approach things with the thought that, and this is, I guess, a very helpful one for me that, the current approach is not the right approach for most people, mm. right? That there's a problem here in the market that that is not being addressed. And I want to figure out what that problem is. 
And my assumption is, is that it's there because most people don't know what the real problem is. Right. 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 Um, so I guess from that standpoint, like that, that presupposition is useful for me. Yeah, I, I find the same. Um, anytime I'm sitting down to build a campaign, uh, the closer I can get to the problem, the more empathy I have for the customer that I'm going after. Right? Yeah. And um, you almost need to become an expert in all things regarding that problem um, and sure. all the different outcomes, all the different things that they probably have tried to solve this problem for them. And yeah. to your point, what why is it that the current drumbeat for whatever the problem is in the marketplace isn't really resonating and how can I be different? Sure. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about trying to imagine really myself in their shoes and what they would be experiencing, mm -hmm. the conversations they would have, the emotions that they would feel, um, you know, the, the self-talk they would have, uh, if I were them and I had experienced whatever it was that I believe they've experienced so far. Yeah. Well, you've had a, an extraordinarily eclectic life too. You, you've lived a hundred different lives and have, <laughs> and have a, a, um, some amazing stories for a different type of yes. a podcast. Yeah. Um, do you think that that also helps you with the empathy because you know, you're, you're not, your you know, uh, you know, I grew up in this house and I had this experience and it's all cookie cutter and I'm here, you know, you, you yeah, just maybe, live so much more. Maybe, but I also think it's probably that I really, I think some people think I'm kidding around when I say this. I think the people closest to me probably know that I'm not kidding around. Uh, I am a very flawed individual. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. not, you know, not flawed in any way that I think is, you know, horrible. But, uh, but yeah, I do procrastinate. I am a perfectionist. I'm, I switch from, you know, I'm an introvert that enjoys people when he enjoys people and wants to be left alone when he wants to be left alone. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and, uh, you know, I have a lot of flaws, right. And, uh, and some of those flaws like, uh, stand in my way at times, right. I mean, cause you can't design your entire life to work around your flaws. You can design your business to work around your flaws. Sure. And, uh, so I think also just what allows me to get into the heads of my customers and, and prospects or, you know, of a market is that I've spent, I've just spent a lot of time in my own head, like writing in my own journal about my own, like, uh, my own obstacles and how, and how I feel about those obstacles. And, and so I guess just spending the time really kind of thinking it through for myself, right. Um, allows me to kind of at least get a glimpse, a better glimpse into what other people might struggle with as well, if yeah, that makes sense. It does, yeah. yeah. Um, when you sat down to write, you know, the manifesto um, and had all the success and, and, and were you following a certain format? Were you following, uh, you know, something that you picked up from Dan Kennedy? Was it like a hodgepodge? Did you create your own, you know, when that, can you go into some of the reasons why you think that was just so successful? Sure. Um, yeah, I, there was, it was just more stream of consciousness than anything else. I had done a presentation that was similar and that presentation resonated in a very deep way. So I knew that I kind of was on to something with that, but I just still had no idea that it would resonate in the market the way it did. I think for one, I think that the, for one, it, it's a timing thing and you can't, you know, there's, that's, you either are lucky or not yeah. as far as the timing goes. But I think it, aside from that, it had a lot of other elements that were, had it work, that it had, that had it, that had it work. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that the, the first thing is, is that, 
you know, when you're talking to a market, you're talking to a group of people that share some dissatisfaction, right? Sure. Like, and that's what groups the whole market together, that dissatisfaction. They didn't achieve a goal yet or they didn't get rid of a problem. One of those two. And, and so, you know, when I was talking, the Internet Business Manifesto um, was written to a group of people that were dissatisfied with the money that they were making ultimately. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so, and the, it was a group of people that were dissatisfied with the money that they were making and they were focused primarily just on marketing and they were buying lots of marketing stuff. And they, for the most part, most of these people had no understanding of other business uh, outside of marketing. They didn't really understand any business. Sure. And so they weren't successful. And then all of a sudden the, this report shows up, right. And the report shows up and, by that time, I'd already coached a bunch of people, so they didn't know me, but they had seen the people I coached do well. So that also was working in my favor. And then they were exposed to a bunch of simple things from the business world that at the time, the online world did not know, right? Like yeah. simple things like process mapping. Like most people had never seen a process map before. Right. So when they saw it, they were like, oh my God, like yeah. this, I could see how this could make life easier, yeah. right? Or um, talking about project management or, you know, systems and projects. And, you know, at that time, people were talking about outsourcing, but they were talking about trying to find the cheapest person. Right. That was the yeah. whole thing, as opposed to trying to find like a long term solution. And so I think that, you know, I they they came across this report. This report was written by a coach of that they never heard of before, but they saw people that he's coached and they're like, Oh wow, this, and then it exposed them to this side of business that they had never seen before. And just like the ADD book, it was linking all their current problems to a deeper problem that these things that they could kind of appreciate were powerful that they hadn't seen before was part of the solution. So all of a sudden, you know, it was like, Oh my God, yeah, this is what I've been missing. Right. Like, uh, you know, uh, Todd Brown was first a client of mine before we worked together and all that stuff. And, you know, Todd has told me numerous times about like when he came across that report. And if you came across that report when you only had read like Dan Kennedy's like marketing stuff and Jay Abraham's marketing stuff, this was something entirely new at yeah. that time. Um, so it really felt like it was the missing piece. And, you know, so the market thought that marketing was everything. And when you're not hypothetically, let's see, like just play, let's play this game for a second. Sure. If you're trying to do everything and you're not getting the result, what, and I've got news for you about getting the result. Well, I could actually, what would be the single best news that you could get about getting that result? Mm, that you, uh, that you've got the perfect solution, right? You got the silver bullet. Or you're not, you. yeah, but you're like, what? What what could I tell you about what's the best information you could get about everything that you're currently doing? Mm, um, how to grow, right? How to grow my business, how to, you know, um, how to, I don't know, solve my problems that I have. Um, you're doing X, Y, Z. You're not getting the result. Mm -hmm. What can I tell you about X, Y, Z that would be the most? How to solve it, right? How to solve XYZ? If I'm not getting XYZ, how to get no, it? No, no, you're doing XYZ okay. to, get, to okay. get your profit, right? Yeah. And you're not getting the profit you want. 
what's the best thing I can tell you about XYZ? I don't know. I'm stumped. Okay. What, what do you the, think? What, what would be the easiest thing to sell you? Oh, uh, the, the, the solution. The right. Blueprint. But what's like, how close should that solution be to XYZ? As close as absolutely possible. Right. And so I came into the Internet Business Manifesto was saying to marketers that they who've been spending all their time on marketing to say, look, marketing is important. It's critically important. It's, in fact, the most important part of business. But business is important, too. And you have done everything when it comes to marketing, but you're just missing this one piece mm. business. Right. Mm. And so. um that concept that like you're doing everything right i never thought of this but actually the best thing would be you're doing everything right you just have to remove one thing because that's even less work right yeah, but right. but uh, yeah, but you know but the if you're going to add anything one small thing right so that that's another reason like my big idea versus their unarticulated idea mm. like they could lay on top of one of another yeah. and mine was pretty close to so it confirmed everything that they've learned it's confirmed everything that they've that they've done up until this point nothing they've been doing is wrong right everything is right it's just missing this one piece yeah right and yeah. Then, then when you find that one piece which i have right everything falls into line so so i think the manifesto worked because of timing because the message was really just you're doing everything right, but this one thing. And then when they see that one thing, they're like, holy crap, this would make it easier. So there's confirmation. And then it had those stories. So it had so many of the right things at the right time. Yeah. Um, what do you see now, um, you know, in, in, in today's marketplace that people desperately need? You know, what, what kind of is there a tactic out there, a strategy and untapped? What are you getting excited about for 2020? Well, right you know, it's actually it's one of the reasons why I'm back. You know, I took five years off, kind of relaxed. And then about a year and a half ago, or two years ago, I sold my business to Agora. And I was coming into Agora, basically, because they were having certain problems in their business. Uh, they were starting to have problems with the platforms mm -hmm. that motivated me to want to look at AI and data, spent a lot of time looking at AI and data decided that uh, whatever I was going to do for Agora, I also wanted to do for small businesses and entrepreneurs. So Agora bought a portion of my company and we're going to relaunch that and what when i started studying more of the ai and data what i realized was is that that is the future it's not the future yet for small businesses because they don't have the data to power it sure and it's not also going to solve the problems that agora had with some of the bigger platforms and then as i started to really kind of look at the scenario of what was going on online what I noticed, which I don't know that very many people, well, I know that like consumers and privacy people have noticed, but I don't think yet very many entrepreneurs have noticed is that the market is actually the entrepreneurial market, the small business market online is actually in jeopardy. And it's primarily due to big tech. Mm. And that if you look at a lot of the statistics, you can see it that there are, there have been less and less new businesses started year after year after year like even though we're in a you know an up period less new businesses are being started less vc money is being invested mm. uh and it's primarily because of big tech and big tech is doing more and more that really encroaches in on small business so a couple of months ago uh, google passed the point of where more than 50 percent of the searches on a google search page don't leave google Mm. which is an insane number because, yeah, you know, I like do. Google was started 
where everybody left the page because that was the that's what a search engine is supposed to be about. That's right. Right. Not you crawl our pages to keep people on your site. That yeah. really is. So Google's becoming a walled in garden and those walls are getting bigger and thicker and harder to cross. And, you know, Facebook did the same thing years ago. Right. When they yep. tricked all the companies to advertise like us on Facebook mm -hmm. and then they kind of pulled the rug out from there. So uh, and Amazon is crazy competitive, even with people on their own platform using Absolutely. their data. Right. Yeah. And now Amazon Prime's in 65 percent of U.S. households, 95 million people have it. That's right. Um, so and what most people don't realize is, is that these companies, in addition to doing that, right, um, really kind of increasing the cost per acquisition year after year after year, even during recession, um, make changing the rules of the game consistently in their benefit. Google's been caught now messing with their algorithm to favor That's advertisers right. and big brands. Yep. Uh, Google got Google and Apple got in trouble because they had a, a Google paid a $500 million fine for this. They had a, an agreement where they wouldn't steal each other's employees you know, which is like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Right. Google got caught buying all the MasterCard's data. Yep. Right. Like it goes on and on and on. Like these companies do so many things that like you and I would go to jail for. Uh -huh. And these are things that give them a great advantage over small business. And they want more and more of the Internet. That's like, right. they, like they, you know, they want to get as much money from the internet as possible yeah, and, right. and 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 and, and more and more of that's going to be our control the internet you know there's a lot of facebook yeah. is trying to send drones around to control where people well, are using the internet from yeah like i mean with facebook right like i, I didn't know this but i'm not like a in the trenches kind of guy I, you can't mention facebook mm -hmm. like in a facebook ad mm -hmm. like that's, that's insane right, right? like yeah. you know like that seems a little sketchy uh <laughs> you know and so yeah. you know and i once had to get i once had to fight with google because i was I wasn't allowed to advertise at that time. I don't remember why. Um, and people were advertising on my name. I'm like, hey, wait a second. If I can't advertise on yeah. my name, like, well, so I ended up having to trademark my name hmm. and then send them a cease and desist. <laughs> wow. But um, yeah, so these companies are bad and they're bad for business and they're, and you know, and people end up trusting them way too much, right? They think that until you have a problem with them, yeah, right? So this is an issue. This is a big issue. And it, and it could really hurt our market, especially because it's changed people's behaviors a dramatic amount. Before the before Facebook was really here, um, there were a lot more partnerships. There were a lot more affiliates, like yeah. more JVs. Not, I don't think it's ever going to go back to the way where it was. But like models like your model, for yeah. example, are ways that companies can start to kind of make sure that they're more, much more sustainable, yeah. right? So, yeah, so looking at this and realizing that, you know, that the platforms are not our friends, but they can be leveraged and they should be leveraged, is, but be leveraged in a way where we're not reliant on them uh, to really get Agora in the right place. I decided to call like who I thought were like the world's best experts in every area of online marketing and bring them together and then that kind of evolved into, well, if we're going to do that for Gore, let's do it for everyone. Yeah. Right. And so we're doing a live stream that I think is going to be absolutely uh, epic and unrivaled and never yeah, been done before. Right. Like it, yeah. Um, where we're doing a 24 hour live stream on February 19th uh, at 7 p.m. It starts till February 20th at 7 p.m. 24 hour live stream. 
And it's like a who's who of internet marketing and online marketing is flying in to broadcast at a Mark Ford cigar bar. And uh, it's going to be fun. And what we're going to be doing is giving people strategies and tactics and basically our winning strategies and a bunch of tips as well on how to organize their business so that they can thrive in 2020. But more importantly than even that is build a business that is totally totally uh what's the word um anti-fragile as it comes to uh the platforms because it's not a question of if you're ever going to have a question uh problem you will have a problem everyone eventually has a problem and if you're not prepared and if you haven't done the right things then that problem can be extremely costly that's right right and so uh, most people know at least somebody that's lost a Facebook account or a Google account if it hasn't happened to them personally. And when it happens, if you have a large enough business, you can get someone on the phone. If you're a small business, mm-hmm. good luck, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you're just not important and yeah. they don't care. Yeah. And uh, but if you're not on those platforms, you're invisible. Yeah. So I mean, starting a business, running a business, growing a business is already hard enough. Right. right? And now you're at war with these big tech companies. Right. And to your point, uh, by the way, anybody, when, when which says something, you you listen. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be because he's right. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, Google just announced that in two years. Yeah, they're uh, getting rid of cookies. That's right. Yeah. And so they're not even allowing you to get your own data. They're not allowing third-party data right. so you can collect more information to do better marketing. They're saying, no, you can't do that. Well, they're doing it under the guise of privacy, even though they already have everything they Correct. need. Right? Yes, same yes exactly. Right. They get to use it. They're, yeah. they're not going to be completely blind to it. They're going to use it as much as they want. Yeah. There's not like other companies use that. Right. Wait, and, wake and, up, everybody. And, well, and it's also this, right? Like, I really believe that the government needs to go after them and not to make this all preachy and stuff, but anyone who's my age or older, right? I'm 48. Like, I remember when the telephone company, before they were broken up, and there was no innovation, right? There was just the phone in your house. You couldn't buy a phone. You had to rent it from the phone company. Mm. And as soon as they broke up, you know, Ma Bell, then all of a sudden you had competition with phones. And then you could buy a phone. And I bet you there wouldn't be cell phones today if they never broke up Ma Bell. There wouldn't be the Chrome browser and there wouldn't be Google if they hadn't gone after Microsoft. That's That's for sure. And... You know, then after that, the antitrust laws changed where you had to hurt the consumer in order, like they had the consumer had to pay more for there to be a monopoly. What what I've recently read, like they call like what big tech has like a monopsopy. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what that is and how that differs. But um yeah, because, you know, at least the way the antitrust laws are written right now, you have to hurt the consumer. The the problem with that is is that uh, the way that like a company like Amazon is priced, it's already priced in that they will hurt the consumer at some point, like when yeah, they have right. no more competition. That's right. Right. But when they have no more competition, it's a little bit too late then to say antitrust because now <laughs> there's nobody left. Yeah. Right. So they're hurting the producers, not the buyers. And uh, and most of the platforms are. And uh, and it's problematic. Yeah. So um and like I said, they break all these other laws. They pay close to no taxes. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Amazon doesn't pay taxes. <laughs> no, and Amazon, uh, we were talking about this earlier, like Amazon goes the inverse of retail. So like if mm-hmm. Amazon has a great Black Friday, the rest of retail stocks go down, mm. right? If if Nike does oh, something true, with yeah. Amazon, uh, like they do a branded store, all the other shoe retailers will go down that day, mm. right? Like that's how much of a force 
Amazon is. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're the biggest cloud provider. Um, they're now building their own logistics and they'll eventually be bigger than FedEx and UPS. Wow. And, you know, yeah. it's an insanely large yeah, this is for again for for my fans out there who've who've heard about the big idea and the importance of having a big idea. Everybody, this is a big idea in motion. Um, yeah. I love hearing you talk about this because you're really are painting a picture that um, that everybody who wants to either get in business or is in business needs to be paying attention to, and they need to know how. Like to your point, how do you solve this? How, yeah, do, how do you get you, in front of it? How do you stay in front of it? And then how do you stay in front of them? And that's yeah. that's the first thing, right? So. We're going to be talking a lot about how to like stay in front of it. But what I would say is, is that it should be like a no brainer at this point that everyone should at least be abreast of what big tech is doing. You know, you don't want to find out that they're getting rid of cookies two years from now when yeah. they actually pull the plug. That's right. right. You want to know about all these changes that are happening right now. And you want a strategy in place. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And um, and like I said, like I think like your whole model is is one of those strategies that I, I feel is very helpful um, because like, yeah, if a company can't either afford to do lead gen or they just there's no reason for um, to, you know, to underwrite all the risk on a channel, uh, it just makes sense to spread to spread the cost and give the platform, you know, the money one time. Yeah. For five businesses. That's right. right? Yeah. So um, there's no reason why each company should be making hefty contributions to those platforms. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. So, yeah. um, so there's things like that, but then also, I mean, look, everyone should be downloading their data, yes. right? Like from their ad accounts yes. from, because like the day you lose your account, the day you stop having access to that. Yep. We were talking to a really good media buyer the other day and he said, uh, you know, if you're going to do when you do large campaigns, you really should have like a separate Facebook account where you always just use that Facebook account f and add a pixel for that Facebook account. So you have this safe account that has all your lists in it. Yes. Right. Yeah, so smart. it's just another workaround Super so that smart. if you lose, your, if you lose on the plat, if you lose your account on the platform, you still have access to all your audiences and you keep that account yeah. like pure, you know, just by doing like a promoted post every once in a while or something like that. Um, another thing is, yeah, just, you know, I wrote in the final chapter, you know, the last of the manifesto series, I wrote about, um, the difference, the, why like Agora and bot boardroom and Phillips publishing were able to grow so much here in the U S and all the direct response companies all around the world did not. And the difference was that here in the U.S., people rented lists. Mm -hmm. So, you know, each company kind of grows the market, but it only grows the market if those names end up being on in the market, not just in that company. And, you know, in the rest of the world, a company would get customers and then that company would go out of business and then those customers would disappear. Mm -hmm. Whereas here in the U.S., because there was renting lists, a customer would enter the market, then they would be on everybody's That's list right. at some point. And then even if that company went out of business, the market still grew. That's right. And so over time, like these companies got huge in the US and nowhere else. Right. So I don't think like the JV affiliate crazy days of like 2004, five and six or no, six, seven and eight uh, are coming back like where it was just all JVs, all launches all the time. But I do think that more partnerships, like the right partners, partners that are also out there getting 
new buyers in so that, you know, you partner with a smaller group, um, another form of protection, right? Yeah, and right. another way of adding like another channel. So that it's thinking about what are other channels like Reddit, right? Like just yeah. crazy channels that are not, you know, or Quora, yeah. but outside of the, the major big tech platforms uh, so that, yeah, you, you start building a more sustainable business that has uh, more options than just uh, the big guys that are really out for our lunch. Yeah, 100%. So on February 19th, you're going to go into all this and more. I'm going to go into you're it. Bringing, you're bringing yeah. powerhouses. Yeah, Russell you. Brunson's going to go into it. Ryan Dice is going to go into it. You're wow. going to go into it, yeah. right? Onyx Singhal, Neil Patel, uh, Mike Dillard, uh, John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneurs oh on Fire. Gosh. This is going to be amazing. Yeah, and it... Uh, uh, I think you're the only guy that could probably pull this off to pull all these people into one room. By the way, I think I am because I'm, <laughs> I've never seen, I've never been like. Well, we some were of these people are it. your students. That's yes, the funny part. Yeah. You've actually like they're they owe their career to you. So I, well, you that know. might be going too far, but I've helped them. That's definitely uh, uh, that definitely is true. But um, yeah, there's there's like about thirty to. There's about 30 people that I think are coming and I wow. wanted, I want 40 and I've just been really late in getting my invitation to a few people, but sure. uh, I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, the list is already spectacular, man. I can't wait. This is yeah. going to be really great. And, uh, you know, and, and it, uh, it really, it should be entertaining, um, which, you know, I've done live streams in the past. They weren't very entertaining. They were educational. Uh, this is going to be entertaining and educational. Uh, so it should be fun to watch, but more importantly, yeah, people are going to get, strategies from the people that and this is really i think part like at least i haven't i haven't said it here but it's definitely part of my motivation it's get the people that have created the models that everyone uses today get the people that are now like the pine now no longer you know not the pioneers of the market but now the people that are leading the market who are creating yeah. like the legitimate models and who are the people that are going to be doing that in the future and let's get them all in one room sharing um, so that like we really have the best brain power possible working on solutions for everyone. And so that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Well, it's an absolutely brilliant idea and I'm honored to be a part of it. And I know that I'll be uh, advocating for every one of my listeners to definitely come and tune in because awesome. it's going to be amazing. And I think that you're, and I think, like I said, I think your model is part of the, part of the solution. So yeah. Owning props. first party data. Yeah. It's hundred percent. It's the wave. And I think that all these changes are making what we're doing even more relevant to your point. Exactly. Um, I always like to ask all my guests this one question, how do you get inspired, you know, every single day to come out with these big ideas, to be a better marketer, to be a bit better business owner? What do you do to get inspired? Um, Hmm. Well, it, you know, a couple different strategies, I guess. Um, the first thing is, is to have something that I'm passionate about. And I really, uh, I'm not good at working on stuff I'm not passionate about. So that uh, I'm fortunate that I've gotten to a place in my life where I get to pick and choose. And so I just pick carefully. So that's first. Uh, second, like I, in general, I have to tie stuff to some, something later public or mm. I won't, or, it either has to be public humiliation of disappointment <laughs> or um, or that I I owe someone like there's someone waiting for something that I like need to get them. Sure. Um, or I'm just really excited about this thing. Right. Yeah, so it's right. one of those three. And then I'd say the last thing, though, is having a goal that really inspires me for the day. Mm. And 
you know, it took me a long time to figure out that um, the only purpose really for a goal was to stimulate action. Yeah. Right. Because like Good I point. got to I got to a place in my life where I achieved all my goals. I just I, I didn't I, you know, I didn't aim too high. I achieved all my <laughs> goals. And uh, and then I was like, well, now what? And then what I realized was, is that, yeah, the only reason even to have a goal is to stay in action. And therefore, if I'm not in action, then I don't have the right goal. Yeah. And I just have to play with my goal until I do get into action. So that would be first. And then the second thing is I also just like, I'm very grateful for the position I'm in. And, and what I mean by that is that I, it's, I guess, just a perspective, but I get paid a lot of money to solve my own problems at the end of the day. That's kind <laughs> yeah. of the way I look at it. Like, yeah. and the price I have to pay for that is I have to simplify the problem down and I have to simplify the solution down. But if I'm willing to do that, I can get paid a lot of money to work with people that I greatly respect and uh, learn a lot and, and solve some of my own crap in the process. So it's not a bad deal. And I'm very fortunate and grateful that I'm in that position. And so I guess that as a backdrop to picking the goal that excites me and working on projects that excite me, keep me kind of uh, on the straight and narrow. Yeah, that's a great answer. I love it. I know a lot of people at home love hearing that as well, but um, I definitely can resonate with a lot of those keeping pressure on yourself, setting goals, being public about them are yeah. all great ways to stay inspired. All right. So the other way, um, the other thing I'd like to end on is how do people get in touch with you? How do they, uh, if they want to, if they got a question, they follow you on Instagram, do they, you know, what's the best way to, to, to follow you? I would say the best way would be to, let's see. Um, I have a public email address, which I check every once in a while. You just got to put like client in the subject line or I won't catch it. And that's my name, just Richard at Sheffrin.com. I can't promise a timely response because, <laughs> but, but they, they will get answered. And if you want to, uh, reach more directly to me in a more timely fashion, I'd say like either LinkedIn, uh, probably LinkedIn is probably the best, uh, but I'm not, I, I don't check any place every day, including my email box. So yeah. Uh, if you have my cell phone number, then you know to text me. And if you don't have my cell phone number, then yeah, get in touch with me on LinkedIn or you can always, uh, yeah. Or email Richard at Sheffron.com. Perfect. Man. Yeah. I don't know how Joe does it. Joe gives us personal email. He out, does. Like, and, and he'll respond too. Yes. I've had some people actually take him up on that. Yeah, so, um, I, I, I know I, I have a, just my handle on Instagram and you yeah. can send me a direct message <laughs> and that's about it. But, um, well, this has been great. Thank you so much for being my very first guest in my house. Well, thank you for having me. And it's a beautiful house, by the way. Thank a beautiful, you. Amazing view. Yes. I, I, um, so we are videoing this. So if you get a chance and you're listening to this on iTunes, um, head over to the Secrets of Markers podcast and watch the video as well. Rich, you're such a great friend. You're such a great support. Thank you so much for being on my show. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. There you go. That concludes another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're looking for even more content, more ideas, more things that you can do today to help grow your business, then head on over to my Instagram page at Secrets of Marketers. I've got a bunch of content on there and we are giving you guys access to all the behind the scenes stuff that go into making these episodes happen, as well as even more content that you can start to apply to your business today. 
And if you guys like this show, then help me spread the word. Go to the podcast page on iTunes and leave me a review. It's how I can rank well and how other people can find me. So go for it. Thanks for making my dreams come true. Now go make yours come true. Thanks again.